These two are well known for riding two up and overloaded, and now that's what they call themselves. The name derived from encounters with other riders who were quick to point out that the load they were carrying seemed to be, well, a lot for the poor, suffering 1150 KTM underneath them. So when it came time to go to Indonesia, unable to afford to ship their KTM over, Tim and Marissa decided what they would do was buy a local bike and save on the shipping. A great idea. Afterwards, they can sell the bike and get their money back. But one unexpected large bump in the road turned out to be the fact that this Indonesian motorcycle tops out at a whopping 21.4 horsepower, according to Tim. And it has a suspension that, well, let's just say it wasn't made for North American 2-Up. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. Sam It's wind pressure that powers the MotoBreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear, greenchiliadv.com. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters, cyclepump.com. Well, I'm Marissa Notier. And I am Tim Notier. And we used to be called Notier's Frontiers. We have since, since the last time we talked with you, changed our name. We're now more appropriately too up and overloaded. Yeah. And that made a lot of sense because no tears was difficult to Anybody would ever say to us is, hey man, you're overloaded. And I'd say, yeah, Yeah. sure are. (laughs) So I figured I'd just kill it right off the bat and say, we're too up and overloaded. Nice to meet you, I'm Tim. Yeah. And yeah, we've been on the road for six years. Yeah, six years. That's right. Welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you so much. Now, what do I call you? Is is it still Tim and Marissa or have you changed that? (laughs) I, you can call me two up and when you talk to her, her as, no, I would not be person. No. no, let's change that around. <laughs> so the, the, the name change, so what brought that on? Um, the fact that, well, we ran into Kinga with on her bike. She's a lovely woman and she was down in Florida at the same time we were. And, uh, and we've had the semi Facebook presence and YouTube and been to some overland events and stuff, but it just seemed like everyone we ran across, even this, uh, you know, Kinga, who we've talked to multiple times. So when she met us, she's like, I have no idea how to say your name. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it could be no tier. It could be in French. French. It's 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 no TA. Yeah. It's difficult. And then if you wanted to look us up online, you have to kind of know how how to spell spell that. 
So it was right. a so, challenge. And yeah. we've been thinking about it for a while, but she was like, you got to change your name. <laughs> she yeah. just said it right out. And oh, we were yeah. Like, yeah, she, yeah, on her handle is on her bike. It's like, that's simple. That's sweet. We yeah. know what you're kind of up to. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So, and, and as, yeah. as too often overloaded, right? I mean, that's in, yeah. that, yeah, exactly. that certainly makes sense. But so the, the overloaded thing, why are you overloaded? I mean, is this a marketing <laughs> thing? <laughs> like, do you just say, okay, this is yeah. what we need. Now we need 20% more. Let's go shopping. <laughs> yeah. We just, we, yeah. When we first started our trip, we started with a lot more stuff and all the pictures we had of the motorcycle, it was a KTM 1190 and we had these big bags on it that were just filled and um, we had dry bags on top of that. And everyone online was saying, wow, you guys are so overloaded. And since then, we've pared down quite a bit, but we still get comments all the time that we are I very think, overloaded. Like we see it's our own battle, right? And we don't even really consider it a battle, but like we see other people on like 1200s riding by themselves. And I, I personally think they have more stuff than us. And I don't think, hey, they have more stuff than us. And therefore they're doing it wrong that, you know, but it's like, right. you know, they, they, they have stuff and we have stuff. I think what makes us look a little ridiculous is the fact that there's two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we love our Moscow Moto panniers, but they're not like, uh, they're, they're, they're not soft streamlined. Right? So, you know, they can kind of bulge and, you know, you can kind of <laughs> hang stuff on them and put stuff on top. It's, you know, and we put like a cup on the back, a and little hobo like cup, I call it nudged in between <laughs> yeah. the pannier and the you motorcycle. You have so. to have a guest cup. If you yeah. run into somebody <laughs> and they're like, you got a cup? Okay. No, I got so you back. Then- you should have said that right at the start when I asked that question, because that explains everything now. Like if you're, <laughs> if you're preparing for all the, the, the possibilities, you know, we might run into a guest. Maybe we should have a sleeping bag. <laughs> it's purely just a cup. Right. <laughs> but their eyes light up when they're like, oh my God, you thought of me without ever meeting me. And yep, and yep I sure did, bud. <laughs> So the cup, though, I'm mean, really, that's not overloading. The, the cup's not the answer. I mean, I appreciate I it, Tim, you're trying was... to blame the person you've never met but for what your load is like, but that's just a cup. Yeah. Well, I mean, our left pannier in the, you know, the way we set up our 1190, right now we're on a Baja 220 pulser. Baja, yeah. And it's uh, not nearly the same setup. We are two up and going to break this thing. Is what we yes, should call ourselves absolutely. Now. It's very different being on this bike than it was the 1190. Yeah, for sure. but we miss our 1190 dearly. It's still waiting in Florida, waiting for us to ship it to Europe. But our setup on our main motorcycle, or uh, like all of our clothes in the left pannier, our camping and pots and pans in the right pannier, and then the top bag has um, our, our laptop and yeah, electronic stuff. Pots and so it's not ridiculous. And pans. When you say oh, yeah, when you say stove. something like pots and pans, then it's nestling one. Again, this points towards <laughs> the overloading issue. I'm not here to try and sort out your overloading issue. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we live full time off of everything that we have. So for example, when we got stuck in Africa during the pandemic the water filter came in handy. We used it every single day to filter our water because we weren't just going to buy water bottles for all the water that we drank. And that was just like a little, you know, six liter little gravity filter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so nothing too big, but I mean, you, you, we use that often. We, we do bring a little two chairs, uh, the little, uh, (laughs) the Helix, I think are like the fancy brands, but we get like the, the $20 Amazon cheapies. Yeah, but, uh, I do like those chairs. Oh, they're amazing. But now that we are in Southeast Asia, we have no camping gear whatsoever. 
Yeah, um, and we don't cook on the road. So, well, that probably goes well with the the bike size. Well, well let's let's talk about this. So, how long? <laughs> how many years have you been on the road now? Six. Six I years. do believe. Twenty seventeen. Well, let's see, August. Yeah. 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 Pretty much exactly. So yeah, August twenty. August. What was it? August seventeenth was our. I think twenty first. Twenty first. August twenty first of two thousand seventeen. I think was the solar or the lunar eclipse. It was the solar eclipse and, in the United States, and that marked. Uh, that that marked was our, our launch journey. date. <laughs> Ooh! Wow, you guys do things in a big way. So, so it was written in the stars. <laughs> in 2017, when you left and left your cat behind, which I now know, um, Tim. Yes. But, but um, or was it both of your cats or was it Tim's cat? I imagine it's Tim's cat from being a kid, right? Uh, yeah, it, it was, was Tim's mostly. Yeah, but, but Marissa and I have been together for 11 years now. So yeah. along those lines, Marissa, she, mostly, had, she adopted. Yeah, right. my heart okay. as well. He loved me more. I think we can all... <laughs> We can all agree on that. <laughs> so when you left in 2017, what, what was the trip supposed to be about and how long was it going to be? So we had a three-year plan, which pretty much we sliced into two vertical segments of the Americas being... Uh, one year. One year. And then, you know, from Chicago to Ushuaia. And then we'd put the bike to South Africa and go vertically up to the UK. And that would be our second vertical segment. And then the third year was horizontal from... Through Asia, basically. To Mongolia. Our end goal was Mongolia. So three years. um, And it did not go to plan like that. Two years into it, we were in. We were still in the Americas. We spent more than twice as long in each place than we had originally thought we would. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, that was such a great decision because we got to really delve into the places, the cultures. And just living in each place, kind of resting while we were on the road as well. Using our pots and pans. Exactly. <laughs> sitting in our chairs. You know, all we had a little stuff that you've got. <laughs> up you available. Know, it was so, somebody that was on just recently, and I kind of think it might have been Vihar Moto, but they yeah. said that mm. um, that no one ever wa- goes to somebody's house, opens up their cupboard, you know, and says, wow, yep. that's a lot of stuff you have. Yep. Or even exactly. just looks around and says, what are you doing with all this stuff? What do you, you know, yeah. and, and, whereas <laughs> On your bike, you it's, that all, far? it's all hanging off the outside, of course, and, and that's what this makes it so obvious. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but you know, we 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 wear it with pride. It's not our dirty laundry. It's our we're proud of it. Well, that's some right. of it has you know, to be your dirty laundry, I'm sure. But anyway, no. yeah, let's, let's this, go. this is true. I'm gonna leave the luggage for now. I think I'm gonna come back. You're to gonna that, get though. technical. <laughs> but, but I mean, we do like the BDRs. You know, we just listen to like the uh, the, the ten best spots and. In the U.S. Raw episode, and you know, mm. like we've done most of those on the on two up and really overloaded. We beefed up suspension, but you know, BDRs and yeah, off road muddy crap, and it's fun. Smiles on our faces, the bike falls, but you know, we work together as a team. Sometimes it's much funner upon reflection than it is within the moment. But <laughs> that's always the you know, way, isn't it? But you said you, you, know. you spent two years in the Americas and you're, you're only planning on one. You got a three-year plan there to begin with. What does that do for your budget? And, and how do you look at that at that time? Well, as soon as we get out of the States, you know, we could get yeah, that assisted a lot. Yes. And actually traveling slowly can be really good for your budget as opposed to going quickly. So, you know, when you rent a place for longer you get these discounts. And when you're constantly changing places on the road every day, spending money on gas every day, that can add up to the overall cost throughout the year. 
So um, actually, we've been able to expand our savings and use that throughout the six years that we've been traveling. We have more time than money. And just as a little, you know, I, I think it can fluctuate greatly. But for us, for two people on one motorcycle, um, and depending on what on what continent you are, it is also a variable. But we spend around twenty two thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So um, that's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, yeah. If you think about it, that's um, yeah, that, I think so. That's all in. Yeah, you know that because yeah. that's what you're bringing in. And that's what you're spending out. There's mm. no more in. Well, just, there's a little bit of in. There's no more income. It's just outcome, I say. <laughs> right. So so when you hit South America, that's when you could really start to put, not put money aside, but that's when you really saw, saw your savings get eaten away less uh, quickly. Oh, yeah. Correct. And mm-hmm. then after that, we went to Africa and, and that was cheap, as well. but also then the pandemic struck. And at that point in time, we were just stuck in Uganda and then stuck we were stuck loose. in Kenya. Well, the borders closed around us yeah. and we weren't able to leave. Um, and it was a really wonderful it was time. Amazing. We lived in Uganda. We raised kittens. That's going to be the theme of the show. We raised little <laughs> Kenyan yes, kittens, yes. though. It was amazing. Marco and Dora were the name of our African cats. And the new motorcycle that we're riding in Indonesia is uh, it's called Dorco, which is a combination of Dora and Marco. Yes. Mm. Fun fact. <laughs> we we talked when you were when you were sort of stuck in the well you, you say stuck I mean if, what a, what a terrible thing yeah. to be stuck there right? yeah in, right. in the <laughs> pandemic I mean so um when you when you were there then you came back to North America and then what did you do we went up to the top of Alaska and that was last summer yeah mm. and that was spectacular yeah that was incredible and then this year we are in Southeast Asia we flew to Jakarta. And we bought a little Bajaj Pulsar 220. So we lost just about all, you know, 1100 <laughs> CC in comparison of what we used to have. And uh, we've been grinding along the island of Java and Borneo ever since. So you, you, you did the American, now your plans changed because we, we, we talked about, you know, you're originally being a three-year plan. You've completely messed yeah. that up. You, you're on the road, you become <laughs> addicted. You, at least I think you have. Yes. Uh, yes. To, to traveling by motorcycle. Now, wh- how did you end up in, in Jakarta? So our buddies, uh, Greg and Mel Turp, they were in the area and they had, they were, they ride two up as well. And they had bought this motorcycle and uh, we kind of had a powwow with them and Kinga with uh, on her bike. And it came up as, you know, hey, well, what's the next? It's cheap. And it's in the corner of the world where when you're in Florida, like it's about as far away from anything <laughs> as possible. Um, but it's also a corner of the world that's kind of blocked off from the rest of the world by road. Um, not completely, but it would be difficult to leave Southeast Asia with a motorcycle without having to ship it or fly it. And yeah. so um, we thought, hey, you know, if Greg and Mel are going to be buying this motorcycle in Jakarta and going around the island of Java on it, and then they're willing to sell us the motorcycle, you know, we could do that too. And that would be one of the yeah. best ways of visiting this area by motorcycle without having to ship our own bike. Because I mean, uh. shipping our bike from... Florida to Java would have been five grand. And then we would have yeah. semi been stuck in this, you know, right little corner of the world. We, we, we plan on doing, you know, Australia mm-hmm. and that too. But to reset ourselves in the middle of Europe 
would be another large bill to fly the motorcycle. So we said, let's just go do this flying ride on this little monkey of a motorcycle. Um, also, you need a carne in order to bring your motorcycle into Indonesia. Mm. So it made a lot of sense to buy a motorcycle here. Now it's not completely in our name. And so we cannot leave the country of Indonesia with the motorcycle. Yeah. But we, it's been a good learning experience because now I know that I'll never buy a 220 <laughs> a falser. I'm sorry if their stock plummets because of this. <laughs> but <laughs> once we get to Kuala Lumpur, I'm definitely going to buy something along like the D, you know, DR650 or something along Something a little lines. bigger. Yeah, maybe 500 CC two up, you know. To but, be fair though, you did come from a 1200 riding two up and overloaded and you're riding 1190. a 1190. What, what's your biggest complaint about the, the Baja 220? Is that it does, it's not enough power? <laughs> It's, it's got yeah. like 20 horsepower. It's got 20 horsepower and a 220? No, he's just making up numbers. No, I think it does. I mean, really? I'll have to Google it. It's 21.4 horsepower. Yeah, went from 150 to 24. It's like pony power. My KLR was like 34 horsepower yeah. and it was a 650. Yeah. yeah, it really struggles going up hills. And they kind of converted it from like, you know, your typical Southeast Asian bike that's kind of higher on the, you know, it's it's cooler down here. It's not just your little scooter. But then when they put panniers on it, they kind of had to drop the muffler to make room. Mm -hmm. And the muffler on it has like this little bouncer on it for the center stand where it stops, but it pushed everything down like two inches. And now everything's really, really low on it. Yeah. And you can imagine that spring is not like, you know, a Hummer spring for the suspension. It's just, you know, a, a piece of spaghetti going up coiled. And when Marie and Marissa get on it, that it just, it bottoms out. We hit pebbles and it goes. Yes. And well, the suspension's not good, but also when we turn that center stand scrapes against the ground, it's, we're a bit loaded for this motorcycle. When you say they, when they put the panniers on, was that Greg and Melanie Turp that put the panniers on? No, no, it was even, it was even prior to them. No. Mm. And I love them. And there's no like hard, like it's, it's just more of a, like an, an inner joke. And there's some guy that wants to buy it behind me. So I like, it's a great we bike. He's not we listening. love this bike. <laughs> Don't say that. That's awful. <laughs> I'm sure you'll never it's hear such this. a good bike, Jim. Such a good bike. <laughs> but, but you, Amazing. But, but you said it's, it's not, Marissa, you, you said that it's not, I think you said it's not really in your name or it's not completely in your name or something. Was it you that said that? Correct. What, what does that mean? Completely in your name? Like your name's on it, but somebody else's name is on it? No, there's no name. It's just a... It, basically, I think there's a certain document and along with the keys that you have to take with you and then you kind of own the motorcycle at that point, or at least that's what we've been told oh, um, within Indonesian standards. But in order to cross an international border, we would need a lot more paperwork that we just don't have for this motorcycle. Yeah. And I think in order to officially buy it, you would have to be a resident of Indonesia. And so... Oh, it's kind of out of the question. So it's a, it's a buy sell thing. So with you, it's very smart what you've done because you're you bought this bike and then you're hopefully going to sell it for hopefully the same money or close to the same money that you paid for it, and it's really just been your expenses and your flights after that. That's very true, and I think that like when we're done with it and we get back to Jakarta, Indonesians are the kindest, friendliest people in the entire world, and this is the one time in my life where I can have like an Oprah moment. And I think I'm just going to like somebody who is really, really nice to me. I'm going to be like, here's a motorcycle, dude. And they're going to be like, no way. I'm going to be like, yep. Well, they're going to think you stole it. No. (laughs) 
don't even care. I can't, <laughs> I can't sell this thing to anybody else. That, that, that's, I can either do something really nice or something really awful. And I think I'd rather <laughs> do something really nice. Is this thing not worth a lot of money? I mean, you don't have to say how much, but is it? It's, it's, it's not. I would say it's worth about 500 bucks. Oh, yeah. So you it's know. not a lot of money, no. It's not a lot of money, no. no. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to go through the trouble of trying to sell it to somebody. It would be more of my, you know, worth just to, I can probably can get away with some kind of tax write-off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so where are you guys now? We are in Kuching. Yes, which is a city named after cats in East Malaysia. So we are on the island of Borneo, which is the third largest island on earth, I do believe. And so we moved on from Java. We took the motorcycle on a ferry from Java to Borneo. And then we had to leave the motorcycle on the Indonesian side of Borneo. And now we're on the Malaysian side. Dun, 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 dun. And we're going to rent a KTM, buddy. That's right. <laughs> we're so is that what you're going to do? Oh yes. yeah. Heck yeah, we are. <laughs> so, so you're done with the, the 220 then? No, cause we have to, so pretty much our route so far had been, uh, land in Jakarta and then we were pretty much zombies for like a full week. Cause it's a 12 hour difference between Chicago and where we are. Um, and so our brain just was not. The jet lag was brutal. Was just oh. awful. We were just zombies. Um, you know, and you don't want to ride a motorcycle. It's like you riding a motorcycle at, you know, three in the morning. It's like, no, 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 that's probably mm-hmm. not the best time to do it. So we had to, uh, get accustomed. And, but then some of the highlights of our trip on Java have not only been just these friendly, amazing, awesome people. Um, so hospitable. Yeah. Selfies with everybody. It's just but been, also the temples. Yeah. Buur Budor was amazing. Yeah. And the Pramadan temples blew our mind. Um, but the problem was the visa limitations because we had wasted a week kind of getting adjusted to the time zone. And then we got sick quite a lot and had a small injury. And so there was a lot of wasted time. And then we had to renew our visas after a month. And that there was a holiday in between the visa renewal process. And so they had our passports for 12 days. So we lost basically two weeks out of the, another 30 days. So we had to light a fire under our butt, get to Borneo, we did see the orangutans. Uh, yes, on, like, it was this amazing. River cruise. It's the fanciest thing we've ever done. We're on like a budget, and so we don't do like fancy stuff. Mm-hmm. But we we went on this one night personal chef river. Yeah, it, it felt a bit colonial, which is kind of like an icky feeling because you have an entire crew of people on the boat um, cooking food for you, serving you. You have your personal guide and all of that, but. Oh, it was worth it to get out there in the jungle and see the orangutans in the wild was absolutely amazing. It was amazing. really, really cool. So what do you do? You're floating along in the boat and you, mm-hmm. and you see them on the shore? No, you pull into these little, uh, they're like, like... Research stations. Yeah. And so the, it's they're, they are truly, well, they're wild, right? It gets iffy, right? But they are in the wild, but they do feed them once a day. And so they kind of hang out knowing that they're going to be fed. Um, yeah, this kind of all started in the Jane Goodall era of, um, researching these monkeys actually quite a bit later because orangutans are one of the last apes to be researched. And, uh, they set up these research stations in order to observe them. But of course, to observe them, you kind of have to be seeing them quite a lot. And so they'd start feeding them. 
And so the orangutans are used to these feeding times. And I was like, I wonder what they feed orangutans. But of course, it's bananas. It doesn't bananas. get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really original, guys. Really, yeah. Original. But bananas are um, are original to this area. What's the right word for that? Indigenous. They're from Southeast Asia. Indi- indigenous. Yes, indigenous to this area. Man. So that makes sense. So we, so we loved that. That was awesome. Um, and then we continued up Borneo to get out, so we can reset our visa again. But. And the long way back to your original question of if we're done with Dorco or not. Is, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I say with pride, Dorco. Yes. But uh, no, we want to go back down Borneo, back over to Java so we can go see Mount Bromo. There's some awesome waterfalls. We obviously want to do uh, Bali, then ride back to Jakarta, have my little Oprah Winfrey moment, and then fly <laughs> to uh, KL to Kuala Lumpur. And then we'll buy a, like a, a, a bike that won't break my heart every time we get on it. <laughs> Before you, you ran into Greg and Melanie Turp and you talked about this bike that was in Indonesia, you didn't really have a plan at that point, did you? You didn't really know where you were going? Didn't that sort of help decide where you were going? It was either that or we were going to, I mean, like... There's, yeah, we didn't know where we were going and that really solidified things for us. But we had a lot of dreams because there's the adventure hacks who we've ridden through uh, South America with, and they were in the Middle East at the point, Brendan and uh, Kyra yeah. hack, uh, Travis and Chantel, they were doing their endless European loop. We love them to death. And I mean, these are just people that, you know, we have not met Travis and Chantel, but we talk often and they're just, you know, so cool. amazing people. And yeah. and know. we have this dream of getting to Mongolia. I mean, there's so many amazing places in this world that we want to go see and visit and ride through. But yeah, we were talking with Craig and Melanie and it sounded amazing. And we thought, you know, this is a great opportunity in order to see this corner of the world where we might not have access to otherwise. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the way the traffic flows here uh, in Southeast Asia it's nice to have a small motorcycle at times. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's madness. I'm like on like the opening spaceship from Star Wars <laughs> and everybody else is on like little lightsabers, you know. Even, even on the Bajaj. Oh, well, it's just, yeah. Traffic is is definitely more congested here. I think Java is the third most populated or it's, it's the Indonesia fourth most is the populated fourth most. country on earth, but most of that is in Java. So Java is extremely densely populated and it's got an insane number of motorcycles yeah. and scooters that are just zipping around all over the place. So you have to be very Zen, I think, to maneuver through the traffic there. This is true. Wow. So how do you get zen. used to that? Do you sit at first and watch the traffic or do you just jump right <laughs> no. in? We're going to take a quick break. I have two things I want to tell you about. Stay with us because when we come back, Tim and Marissa have a lot more fun stuff to tell us. Last chance for this year. It's your last chance to experience one of the largest overlanding events in the world right here in North America. It's Overland Expo East. Running October 6th to 8th, it's being held at the Oak Ridge Estate in Arrington, Virginia, Overland Expo puts together such a large event that I doubt you could take it all in in one weekend. You can either go for a day or for the weekend, which would be your better bet probably for the weekend because they have camping and then you'll be amongst kindred overland spirit. 
those that have done it, they're going to do it, that plan to do it. Everybody's there. Now, in case you don't know, the Oak Ridge Estate in Arrington, Virginia is in the Blue Ridge Mountains. We listed the Blue Ridge Mountains actually in the, in the last Raw episode, The Seven Wonders of Motorcycle Travel Across the U.S. That's uh, episode 91. This area is worthy of destination for riding on its own. But to have Overland Expo there, wow, what a great trip, even if you're coming from a distance. Now, there's all kinds of things going on. Motorcycle demo days, they've got classes, the hands-on kind and in-class for motor-related things. Just everything you can imagine. Vendors, they've got so many vendors in one place where you can walk from one to another and speak directly to them. I doubt you'll ever see as many overlanding-specific vendors in one place. Now, you've got to get your tickets online. That's the only way you can get your tickets. Visit overlandexpo.com and click East. Space is limited. Camping is limited. Overlandexpo.com. I would grab the weekend pass if I was going to go. Overlandexpo.com. And anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Overlandexpo.com. Okay, I've got a story for you. I'll be quick. I've been doing some serious outdoor work lately, heavy work. Then we got a heat wave. I mean, I mean hot, sweltering, like the sweat is dripping off you, especially in the sun. So there I am swinging a hammer, breaking rocks. The warden comes up to me and says, hey, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Maybe maybe it wasn't quite that hard work, but it's that kind of hard work I'm talking about here. Anyway, each day when I was done, I would take my shoes off and my feet would feel well, just tired. They were hot. They were definitely soaking wet. They were, they were sweaty, feeling clammy. And they just, they felt tired. Like I was dying to get my boots off. And one morning I grabbed a pair of my Pearly's Possum socks to put on just to wear around the cabin before I went outside because they feel good. You, you know this already about Pearly's Possum socks. They're the best cold weather socks that I've ever worn. Absolutely the best sock for motorcycling, hands down. So I forgot to swap out my Pearly socks for thinner socks like I've done in previous days. And the day sort of went on. More heat, more sun, more sweat, more hard work. This day was my longest, and I didn't seem to manage to get back inside until late. So when I sat down and pulled my boots off, I realized then that, oh, well, I I still had my pearlies on, but I expected my feet to feel as they did in previous days under the same conditions. But instead of my feet feeling tired and wet, they actually felt pretty dry, which was weird because my boots were wet. And more importantly, my feet felt good. I'm not making this up. They were almost refreshed. At that point, I realized that I hadn't taken my boots off at lunch. Now, normally what would happen is lunchtime comes and I'm dying to get my boots off because of the hot and the sweat. And I just try, go right to them, pull my boots off and pull my socks off and try and let, give my feet some air. I'd forgot about it. So I'd had them on the entire day. Look, the point is these socks are incredible. It's a great idea using great products, wonderfully blended and stitched for us riders because Pearly's Possum Socks is owned by riders, Duke and Margot Lambert. Pearly's Possum Socks, if you don't have them, I'm telling you, you've got to get yourself a pair. Pearly'sPossumSocks.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Pearly'sPossumSocks.com. Right no, in. you have to just to jump in. Yeah. It's definitely uh trial by fire. One of our first days we were trying to pull into a hotel that was on our right. So the traffic goes in the opposite way, like the British way. Um, so, you know, there's that, which is a slight challenge, but we've done it before in Africa. We're turning right, which is bad because you yeah. have to cross against all the other traffic. And there were 
many, many lanes of just huge trucks going by and motorcycles everywhere. <laughs> I, I told Tim, like, we're never yeah, going to make like, it. We need to truck on Google Maps. Everything's got to be on the left. We yeah, need to get we gas can't on have the hotels left. on the right. We need hotels on the left. We need just... <laughs> and I was so nervous about turning right. And finally, you know, we're talking on the intercom. We talk on the intercom like the whole time now, which we never used yeah. to do because the traffic is so intense. We kind of need both of our minds going at the same time. And I'm like, you just have to go for it. You just have to go for it's it. It's just this weird feeling of like, if if I was in the States, I would have been T-boned and then I'm arrested, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. everyone would have been honking. But I'm yeah. flailing my arms around because I've seen other people do that as passengers kind of like, yeah. showing them with my arms that we're crossing and we're moving. And they stop. And it's they just, all stopped. It's crazy. It was unbelievable. It's like those little minnows that swim next to like whale sharks, you know? It's <laughs> like they don't ever make contact with anything, you know? Yeah. It's just, just, it's just one with chi and with nature. And then no one was angry. With like my stubborn, like, this isn't how things work, you know? But <laughs> this is like, just go. And I'm like, well, this could be our last transmission. I love you. Here I go. And sure enough, we just kind of weeded in. So is is that how you're supposed to make a right-hand turn there? Yes. And because it's so difficult though, there is an entire profession of people that stand on the street and they stop traffic for you. For people turning right or doing U-turns. Yes. And <laughs> you give them little bits of change you give as them you like go by. A fraction of sense, but they just they, they stand there, they blow their whistle, like little impromptu traffic control people. But yeah, like you'd never be able to turn unless yeah. someone physically stopped the traffic. So instead of using a turn signal, you're using a coin. This That's is very right. true. That yes. definitely. You got like a little pouch of change now on the on the handlebar of the motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> Motors, motorcycles are kind of uh, are, are free passes. Yeah, usually it's oh. the big cars that give the change. Yeah, and, and this isn't stressful. Oh, it's stressful. Oh, it's I don't so know. Stressful. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Zen yeah. part. I don't know if that ever really sunk in. <laughs> no, it's yeah. It gets. Uh, yeah, it, it, there's this natural flow. And I heard this about India too, which, you know, like has always kind of in the back of my head scared me about these countries where there's the population is they're so great. Um, and all these scooters moving in and out, but like you just pay attention of what's ahead of you and don't hit anybody ahead of you. And don't be too like the review mirrors aren't even all that much of importance because if you start moving over, the person behind you needs to follow the same rules that you are. Um, and so it's just this chain of, you know, paying attention of what's going on ahead of you. And it's worked so far. (laughs) Yes. It's kind of like crossing a busy street. And it's like, close your eyes and just start walking. Because if you're trying to pay attention and you're trying to judge the vehicle's like reactions of what they might do to you and what you should do in reaction to their reaction, you're hit. So close your eyes, make a right turn, get into that hotel. <laughs> so it sounds like that everybody almost rides together there. Like, you know, it, it follows suit, I guess you could say. Whereas if you're riding in the States, for instance, that certainly wouldn't be the case. You would absolutely need those rearview mirrors. Oh, yeah, for sure. Correct. I think the basic rule of the road here is you go straight or you just go ahead until you can't go anymore. And then you're supposed to stop. And so if someone cuts you off, there's no such thing as being cut off. You just, you have to stop. You can't be going that fast that you would hit them. Yeah. Mm. Or at least that's a theory. Well, then motorcycles 
just like it was in Africa, like we can ride on sidewalks, we can ride in the middle of the road, we can ride in oncoming traffic, you yeah. know, just kind of do whatever you want. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is weird because here it's like, there's no rules. This is crazy. People are nuts. And then you get back to the States and you're like, why do I have to stop at this red light? This is so yeah. silly. <laughs> well, there's nobody coming. Yeah. I mean, that always kills me. Yeah. You know, you're late at night, you pull up yeah. to the intersection, you sit there and you wait and you wait. Think yeah. This is asinine, you know? Well, and <laughs> even during the day and like, or, you know, I think in motorcycles in the States at these traffic lights or some kind of way system or something, a sensor. And sometimes you just don't get a light. Yeah, that's and so, right. Yeah. And it's enough know? to drive you nuts and you think that this is yeah. crazy. So, so, I mean, there's a lot that makes sense to the chaos that you initially would look at as chaos that um yes that you're starting to get the hang of so when you get off the bike you are you drenched with sweat and <laughs> and stress oh. and, and need a break oh my goodness we're not sweating because of the anxiety even though it's part of it but it's you have to be drenched in sweat there's no way to even exist no in i mean it's, these countries it's, it's so hot it's so hot heat, with like 120 percent yeah. humidity yeah mm. yeah <laughs> Have you got the hang of riding? Like, is it is it comfortable? Do you, are you to a point where you're you're comfortable? I think no, nah, I can handle this. Oh yeah, no, no, nah, this is yeah. It took. I think so. Yeah, it took a little while. One of the things that we did to really improve our riding experience was after. So Jakarta is a huge city, and it took us forever to get out of Jakarta. Really, several days. And after those first couple of days, Tim and I were talking about how awful this is. And we really wanted to change our trajectory. So I would look on Google Maps and I'd look for these tiny little mountain roads that led to the middle of nowhere. Um, it's hard to find the middle of nowhere on Java, That's very true. but it is possible. And it did really help us yeah. enjoy the experience. It was unbelievable and beautiful. The motorcycle struggled on these roads, but... Yeah, 21 horsepower <laughs> going uphill. It's kind of interesting. But, you know, I mean, we got to... In central Java, there's Borobudur, which is that amazing Buddhist temple site. And then there's the Pramanan, which is Hindu, which is like the largest Hindu site. It's the complex, tallest Hindu tallest. site in Southeast Asia. Oh, yeah. And it's just fantastic. But you know, everywhere from around the world will go to those places. But in Western Java, there's just, there's not a lot of tourist attractions and it's a lovely place, but there's just... There's no tourists. There's no tourists. And so everybody, it was like Paul McCartney and name a famous oh, woman. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift I mean, <laughs> it was the closest I'll ever feel to Taylor Swift for sure. Because every single time we stopped, People wanted to take selfies yeah. with us. They were just so sweet. I mean, it's a breakfast, lunch, and dinner type of scenario. Yeah. You yeah. cannot stop without everyone wanting to take a selfie with you. It's pretty cool. Yeah, except the difference is Taylor Swift, uh, she makes quite a bit of money doing it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, the, that's a, big, a big difference, right? You're getting the part of it, but you're not getting the full reward. So you should be asking them for money. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start charging. Maybe we'll <laughs> you, you know, that's what I was sort of leading to a while ago when I was asking about when I was saying that you, your decision to, to go where you are now wasn't made until you found out about the motorcycle and such. It works into your plans. But what do you do for finding places that you want to see? I mean, did you guys already know about the area and do you already understand that there's these things that interested you? You want to see the orangutans, the mountains, things like that. Or when you decide where you're going, do you sit down and say, okay, what can we explore? So we kind of have a cool system between us that we've developed over the years 
where I'm completely ignorant <laughs> and I have no idea. Sometimes <laughs> we like to surprise each other. So if one person knows of a cool site or something to see, then they'll be like, oh, I've got something in mind. And the other person will perhaps not know what is to come. Yeah, it's like a 95 to 5% ratio. (laughs) Usually I'm doing the research. It's (laughs) true. And usually Tim will be very tired after riding all day. And so I'll kind of stay up with my phone, looking at really cool roads, trying to figure out where to go next. And I'll do a lot of research um, to find out places that are awesome. And then of course we have people who follow us online and tell us, Hey, you have to visit this. You have to visit that. And that helps us as well. But sometimes I don't tell Tim and we just show up and it's kind of cool as a surprise. And sometimes he surprises me as well. Mm. I got it in me still. (laughs) You guys had a surprise at the airport when you got there, something to do with an app. Can you set that up and tell that story? I'm not sure. Do I need to remind you of what your story what is? I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, what is my story? <laughs> you, 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 you apparently had trouble getting into Indonesia because you didn't have oh, the yeah. app for it. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. We barely even got on that first that plane. That was way back in the States. Yeah, that was in Florida. What happened there? So Marissa is the smarter of the two and I, I'm, there's no shame. <laughs> she can't ride a motorcycle. So I have my uses. <laughs> so it's balanced. Oh, I like that too. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we've traveled over the world. We've gone into countries like Bolivia. You can go to the, the, the border and get a visa there, but you do it beforehand because it's much quicker of a process. And we know the ins and outs. So we're not just blindly going places and, you know. But this woman at the counter thought that we had no idea what we were doing. And according to what she was saying, we didn't. She was like, well, do you have the app? I'm like, what app? And she said, I can't let you on this plane. I can't officially say that you can go to Indonesia if you do not have this and that. And we had to go on our phones and download all of these things. And we had to uh, sign up for certain things. We had to declare customs before ever getting on the plane. It was a whole to do. And we, we, we do our research and like, you know, Greg and Mel, they had flown out and yeah, you know, they, they didn't have to do any of that. No. <laughs> and like this woman was like really proud of herself for busting us for yeah. this thing that I'm not even <laughs> sure if it was factual or not. But, you know, like the airport is the last place where you want to be like, I want to talk to your manager. You know, right. like, yeah, right. be like well, you're not getting on this plane, buddy. You know what? It just got delayed. So, you know. Yeah. And we had to book a way out, which is pretty difficult. You know, a lot of countries are requiring this now. But when you're an overlander, your way out is through a land border and you can't really book that ahead of time. But they expect, especially if you're flying into a country, for you to fly out probably from the same airport. And so if you don't have that flight already on your phone and that confirmation ready, they're not going to let you on the flight. And that... That was difficult last second. We said goodbye to my mother who dropped us off at the airport. We're really excited. We got all of our crap, you know. And (laughs) yeah, we get to the first lady, the first counter with a smile. And it's just. Yeah, she said no. But we were able to do everything last second. I freaked out and went into dum-dum mode. I I, I guess (laughs) I'm not going to Indonesia. I booked a ferry out of Indonesia (laughs) to Singapore. So, yeah, we were all good. A ferry. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then we canceled it. They're, they're just worried about just staying mm-hmm. in the country, obviously. That, that's why exactly. they, yeah. they want to make sure that you're, that, you're, that you're planning to leave, that you're not planning to stay in the country, which, <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah. which makes sense. But, uh, so, but how are you leaving the country? 
So we will, after we're done here, we're going to rent our little KTM and ride up through to the small little country called Brunei. Yes. Um, that's on Borneo uh, and rides in a, northern. A little bit past that. Yes. Yeah. And that's also, it's kind of confusing without looking at the map, but we're in East Malaysia and we'll be riding through East Malaysia and Brunei, that tiny little country. And then it's kind of like a dead end. We come back down through the Indonesian side of Borneo, take another ferry back to Java. Go see Bali, go see uh, that Mount Mount Bromo, which is a beautiful volcano that we didn't see the first time on Java. Give my motorcycle away like Oprah. Yeah. (laughs) Hop on a plane and fly to uh, Kuala Lumpur. And then that's where we buy a new bike. And then we'll be able to explore... Uh, Cambodia and Vietnam and Thailand, Laos and et Thailand. Mm. So that is the hope anyway. We don't know anything for sure. But but why not just book that flight? Well, I mean, I guess the the, the ferry was probably cheaper, right? Yeah, yes. you had to cancel the the ferry and it ends up costing you 22 bucks when you yeah. cancel a flight. Yeah, right, I couldn't find I anything that would allow a full refund. Right, so you just, did, you just weren't yeah. sure exactly when you're leaving. And, and that's exactly. what no, And it was funny because when we were... Uh, when we applied to renew our visas and it, that that holiday was there and everything was delayed by 12 days. But the woman at the immigration office, you know, it's like, Marissa, again, booked this thing. Going to <laughs> Singapore, and rah, rah, you know, but I didn't know. So she's like, and so where are you going? And I was like, you know, Thailand and Cambodia. And rah, rah. She's like, in Singapore? And I'm like, yeah, probably not Singapore. Marissa jabs me in the ribs. And she's <laughs> no, like, we're going, we're to, going Singapore. to Singapore. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Singapore, that sounds really nice. <laughs> we probably... Hopefully, we'll go to Singapore yeah. if we do get a motorcycle in West Malaysia. Right. Well, what's with Brunei? What, what attracts you to that? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just a kingdom so the size of like Delaware, if that, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of its own cool little thing that has a really interesting history behind it. It's run by a very rich sultan. And uh, apparently his palace has real gold all over it. And uh, it just sounds kind of cool. Are you going to see the palace? We'll do it. I hope so. Yeah, we'll ride by. I don't think we'll get a formal invite. I don't think we'll, yeah, be able to go to tea or anything. Well, if you do the Taylor (laughs) Swift thing, you might. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, that's true. Oh, right, right. We got to play a card. (laughs) But there's some nature up there. The the thing that uh, Borneo has that Java was, I won't say lacking, but it's just easier here is... Like the population of Borneo is just very small, a thousandth of it, you know. And so, yeah, there's a lot of nature. There's a lot of uh, forest areas. Sadly, there's a lot of palm oil trees too, but there's just millions and millions of acres. I'm making numbers up. I don't know. Marissa will fact check me, but <laughs> there's a lot more. There's a lot of jungle here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the riding like? It's really pretty. It's really hilly. Um, The sunsets and the sunrises are amazing. It's tough because of the heat. We usually douse ourselves in water throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's evaporated by the first time we stop, which is like I'll make sure my shirt is wet before I put it on in the morning. Things like that. Yeah. It's it's, It's pretty hot. hot. Like we brought rain gear and I'm like, I welcome the rain. Why yeah. Like, why would rain? we yeah. ever need rain gear? I don't know. <laughs> so no one, no one wears rain gear there? Actually they do. And uh, we haven't come across a severe storm while riding, but we have seen many huge thunderstorms here and yeah. they are very intense. And when that time comes, I don't know what we're going to do. We'll either put on a rain gear, get off the road, 
something. I don't think we're just going to ride through a storm like that. They are torrential. Yeah, it's like you can't see 50 feet ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hey, so with the, the humidity and the heat, do the locals handle it better? I mean, are you just sweaty tourists? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yes. the locals oh, look at are. you and say, what's wrong with you? Are you sick? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I see people every day wearing thick knitted long sleeve shirts. Yeah. And it blows my mind. And jackets. And like the little uh, apartment that we're running right now, like we have it, I don't know, it's at 23 Celsius, which to me. I think that's like 74. Yeah, I'm not sure. 72. It, it, but it's mildly comfortable. Yeah. But when we had like somebody come in, I'm like, hey, you know, it's a good reason to pump up the AC because now that I'm not being greedy. And I'm like, are you cold? Are you hot? And they're like, oh my God, it's freezing in here. And I'm like, yeah. what? They get really cold. Yeah. <laughs> they're just so used to it. Well, yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So you, um, <laughs> yes. after, after this, you're headed to where? We'll be headed back down south to Indonesia and then to West Malaysia. And we'll be going through, hopefully, the rest of Southeast Asia. So that yeah. is Thailand, uh, Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam. And since we are in this corner pocket of the world, which, you know, it, it's a long plane ride, uh, you know, we'll obviously would like to do Australia as well. Yes. And then New Zealand, of course. And so, you know, get a, a real good sweep of this, this part of the world. Mm. Yes, we have lots of dreams. Um, but as we know, Things can totally change and we always have to be flexible. So yeah. we never set anything in stone. Well, and we got to where we are right now in Kuching and, you know, our plan was to put our heads down and to, you know, work, work, work and try to catch up on like YouTube videos and this, that and the other thing. And like my hearing started to kind of go on me, which yeah. was really put me in a, a, a slump and a, you know, yeah. a, a mm -hmm. bad mood if you can expect and it was like a good week of just my, my ears not being right um and yeah. it's a podcast so there's no visuals involved but we went <laughs> to the ear doctor and he took out like a shrek's worth of earwax <laughs> and he was like american made and look pointed it and i was like oh lord he was like that's your problem and i'm like that's definitely my problem <laughs> so that that was resolved that was oversharing that, that's what i would definitely call oversharing <laughs> I did not need to know that. I would have just been happy to hear you got it fixed. <laughs> it was. And then I had a toothache and I had a, when we were in Uganda, I actually had a, a an African crown put in, that's what I call it. Yes. But uh, I had a root canal, which was awful. And then they put a crown on it. And when we were here, my tooth was giving me troubles and I got it x-rayed and they said that the root canal wasn't done well. And so for the first time in my life, they yanked a tooth out of my mouth. And so now yes. I'm incomplete. Yes, there's been a lot of uh, medical visits on this part of the trip. Yeah. When I was first in Indonesia, I kind of stepped off the motorcycle incorrectly and fell backwards and hurt my left wrist. And I went immediately to the hospital and got an x-ray and they said there were no broken bones. So I thought, great. And it seemed to improve a little bit, but then it just started really hurting. And now it's been three months later. And it's still hurting. It's still bothering me. And I'm now unable to bend it all the way. Mm. Um, and so I went back to the hospital and uh, got more x-rays done. They said they weren't sure whether there was a crack or not in one of the bones. And so they actually did an MRI 
on my wrist, which I'd never had done before. It was quite <laughs> an interesting experience yeah. to go in that loud tube. But um, thankfully, the MRI showed that my wrist is not broken enough to need any type of surgery. It, it doesn't seem to be healing fast by any means, but I just need to do more exercises and get the blood flowing. Yeah. So I'm really thankful I don't need to have surgery. So there's been a lot of uh, hospital visits well, it's <laughs> recently. Just, you know, that's why we don't plan ahead and we just go with the flow. Yeah. Kind of like that, you know, turning right in the traffic thing. You know, it's just, well, this is mm -hmm. what we're doing now. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, the good news is with my earwax and tooth out, we're a little bit less Lighter. Right, so that's <laughs> That's going to help. It's going to help. So with the medical things, how does this work? You, you're going in and paying cash, obviously. You don't have medical insurance. Oh, yeah. It, it's no, Correct. we do not. But it's just, it's it's pennies on the dollar in comparison to right, the states. Right. And the medical out, the medical care out here is really good. Um, so we're actually quite fortunate to be in a part of the world where we can afford really good services. Yeah. And Malaysia is kind of a touristic, uh, uh, what do they call it? Dental tourism or whatever, medical tourism yes. type yeah. thing. Yes. And so. Yeah, where people are actually taking know. trips, going there to get their, uh, maybe crowns or, or uh, you know, implants exactly. or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but we're, we're on the mend. We're, we're doing well. <laughs> we're happily, we got, you know, high spirits. My hearing is, uh, is not going on me, but you know, it's just like, Whatever it's it's we're we're getting a little bit older, but we're trying to be healthy. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, but it's all really nice. Like I I don't lock the bathroom door behind me anymore because there's just like what? It's too dangerous because I might like slip and fall and then, oh gosh uh -uh. <laughs> just <laughs> made that I don't know where you were going day. with that. <laughs> Okay. I think that might be oversharing as well. I'm not sure. I think it's I think it's very close. <laughs> We, we, yeah, but it does pace us, you know? I mean, we were so go, go, go when we went up to Alaska and that really burnt us out. Yeah. It was such an incredible journey, but going up to the top of Alaska needs a certain time frame for you to do it and see all the things you want to see. And so, um, and it's a lot of miles. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of distance to cover. So that was a lot for us. And we had a good rest after that. But then again, in Indonesia, the visa situation was so short, we felt very rushed throughout yeah, just, that whole section of the trip. And so now, It's nice yes. to relax and get some teeth pulled. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, um, that's an observation, isn't it? You know, the, the difference in, in having that time frame that you have to get to Alaska and back in just the, the one summer, as opposed to, I mean, yeah. what's, what's winter like where you are, do you know? I don't think there is such a thing as winter. We're pretty much right above the equator here. Mm -hmm. And even the difference between the rainy season and the dry season seems to be not as drastic as I first thought it was going to be because we're technically in the dry season right now and it rains almost every day. Yeah. And like I said, some of these storms are just intense. very, very intense. They have these, you know, eight foot gutters and there's a reason for that. Eight feet. Um, Wow. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. One time Tim kicked his shoe into one of these gutters. I tried to kick a gutters. stick out of the way and the thing fell down the Grand Canyon. And I was like, <laughs> son of a... And we only have one pair of shoes that are not our motorcycle boots. And so, I mean, we cannot just do without this shoe. And so I, I actually go climbed no into the gutter. I sent, I sent little... <laughs> 
Operation <laughs> I had to go really Marissa. far and climb through these tunnels to get deep down in there. And I wait, got wait his second, shoe out. Wait a second. Out. Tim kicks off his shoe into the ditch and he sends Marissa, <laughs> Marissa, go get my shoe. And did you go down and you climb through tunnels that. to get the shoe? No, she saw my puppy dog eyes droop down in sadness. <laughs> but he only had one shoe. I only had one shoe, yeah. And, and it's not clean no. in that gutter. That's like the bog of eternal stench. So even with my sandal shoes on, you know, it was better than Tim without a shoe, um, but it's still She's pretty gross. She's making all my points, yeah. She's <laughs> <laughs> not a demand. A, we're a team. We're a team. <laughs> right. I get it. I get it. I get it. So you're, you're going to end up buying a bike, like the, the rough plan, and, and going to Australia. Is yes. that what you mentioned? You're going to buy KTM? Uh, so we're going to rent a KTM here in East Malaysia. Oh, I see. Yeah. And then get back on Dorco to do the Indonesian portion. And then in KL, we'll buy either a DR650 or something along those lines, 500. Um, you know, because there are some engine size restric- restrictions for some of those countries as yeah, well. Yeah, I think for Vietnam, it's 250. I think you have to pay quite a high fine. Yeah. But we'll be see. Worth it. Yeah. It'd be worth it. Oh man, yeah. you're you're just done with. I am not 220, huh? with two twenty. Well, you did mention you're not carrying any camping gear. So, what does your load look like now? So we got our. Uh, it's a, what forty liter backpack, Moscow Moto mm-hmm. backcountry bag. That's got our crushables, our you know uh, laptops and stuff. I still have my tank bag. Our non crushables. Let's hope. Yeah, they're yes. non crushables. <laughs> and then one pannier is still closed, but these panniers are tiny. They're in very comparison. small. So one is clothes and one is rain gear. Oh, yeah, so. all rain gear. That's yeah, great, yeah. which we've worn zero oh, times. Yes, I was going to say, which you, you haven't bothered to use with the... No. no. <laughs> so when you go to Australia, though, will you ship that bike over? I doubt it because I think I it'd think be so. too much. Australia, from what I've heard, is its own um, difficulty because of the restrictions of having your bike super, super clean and you have to pay yeah. a fine yeah. if it doesn't pass the test. And apparently it's like a white glove on your bike and nobody passes the test. Yeah. So it might just be easier for us to get a motorcycle out there and then we wouldn't have to ship it home or anything. If we buy a motorcycle in Malaysia, We'd probably have to sell it again in Malaysia, but that's not so bad when no. you're just, you know, in it's Thailand or Vietnam. Loop, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, it's all up in there. So what does this feel like changing motorcycles? Because you really had a connection with your your KTM to origin your original KTM, but even the KTMs in general that you've ridden, and now it, it, it seems like it's it's sort of morphed into something else. Is the bike not that important for motorcycle overlanding? I wish I had like a really good like positive message here for you, but I really miss my KTM 1190. I really, really do. It's not, I'm not saying it's, it's all about the destination, not the journey. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, it's uh, having a bike to be adequate where you're not, you, you know, where you, when you're not thinking about it, things are running smoothly and that's, that's nice. And of course, things will always pop up that, you know, will be wrenches in the, the trip and that's expected too. Um, but I, I do think that we've aimed a little low as far as <laughs> this, this motorcycle and it works just fine for Southeast Asia. But once we are, we, we go back to Florida and ship the bike to Europe, I'm going to be really happy to have a big bike that has right. more horsepower. I don't think you need a 1190. I don't think you need a 1290. Right. I mean, <clears throat> we're also in this kind of special situation where we are two up with all of this gear to travel the world full time. Not everyone is in that situation. If you're just 
a writer on your own, I think 1200 might be a bit much, especially for Southeast Asia. So, yeah. you know, everyone has their well, Travis perfect or They have two bikes, you know, the hacks, they have two bikes. And so, yeah, they, they you know, bikes, a lot yeah. of people traveling around the world, like the only other couple that I know is Lavi and Ali that are, you know, on the one, on the one bike. But so. Yeah. So you're, you're saying it really eats true. into your storage space, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it does. But also like you need that extra power in order to make it up these hills, to pass trucks. Yeah. So if someone was to come to Southeast Asia and they were to hop on a 220, that might be perfectly oh, adequate sure. and yeah. super, super awesome. It's got the maneuverability. It's lighter. It's, that guy is, is going to buy it from us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is the party. His name is William. Yeah. Exactly. Great buddy. Right. Um, but for us, it's just a bit too small. Yeah. But I do think that if, if it wasn't Marissa and I, and I can't even imagine this multiverse because it doesn't fit right in my <laughs> mind. But if I was ever on my own, I, there's, it, it would be much funner on a more dual sport orientated motorcycle. I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't think you need a 1200, but people do it and people love it on the, those big old beamers. You know, my KTM is, it's a crotch rocket when I want it to be. And it's a, you know, it's a quote unquote dirt bike, you know, in my little fake mind. Mm -hmm. But then you get people who ride dirt bikes and look at me and they're like, stay on the pavement, buddy. You know, and it's like, no, 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 no. You know. But it has capabilities. Right. It has more potential than I do. <laughs> <laughs> but when you get to Australia, you've got some big, wide open spaces there. And I'm, I'm sure that yeah. uh, some yes. horsepower is going to pay off there. But, and have you looked in at all to um, what it takes to buy a bike when you go to Australia as a foreigner? We haven't. This is still in yeah, dream territory in for us. Yeah. <laughs> but but if anyone is willing to sell us their motorcycle out in Australia, yeah, you know, we're all ears. Hit us up. <laughs> so you you're, you've been on the road for what seven years now? I think you said. What happens after this? Like, is this has this become? This is our life now. <laughs> well, I, I look at the like Simon and Lisa, right, and. They've made a life out of it and they, you know, they do photography and their photography is outstanding, you know, and uh, like Sam Manicom, he's been on the road forever and he's, he's uh, an author and a motivational speaker and like, you know, like people can make uh, long lasting, healthy, very exciting lives out of it. But I think that we got about another five years left in us. Yeah. Um, and I want cats again and I want yeah. like property. I with, want like, a home one day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want and, my own place and my own kitchen to be able to cook food and a place to call my own. Right. Yeah. But there's still a lot more exploring before we, uh, we settle down. But, you know, there's always that end game that, you know, it's, it's a nice goal to work towards. Mm -hmm. What sort of skills do you gain doing what you're doing? I mean, are you, are you gaining skills? Are you building something that you can take out from your adventure at the end of it and sort of apply to something else? Well, I don't know if you would consider this to be skills per se, but during the pandemic, when everyone was suddenly forced to be at home, uh, surrounded by people 24 seven, we were kind of like, well, that's right, our life, game. you know? <laughs> So, I mean, dealing with each other and not just dealing with each other, but growing with each other yeah. 
as a couple. I think it has I would done say nothing but each other, not dealing with. <laughs> dealing but that's just in my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> it's really helped us to grow yeah. together and enhance our relationship. I mean, I that's think. not. That's not monet. You can't monetize off. No, of no, love. it's not like a skill set that I can <laughs> put on a resume. But another thing that I think has really changed us over the years is my balance. Your balance. <laughs> well, yeah, your skill set as a writer has definitely improved, but also my outlook on the world as a whole, because, you know, it's scary to go out every single day, not know where you're going to sleep that night, not know where you're going to eat, where you're going to find gas, if you're going to crash, you know, there's so many variables that are just completely out of your control. But of course, that's life, right? But when we're stationary in one spot, we oftentimes get lulled into the sense of control. But when you're traveling, you're on the road, you don't have any control over what is going to happen that day to you. And so you really have to give yourself up to the whims of the world. And I think that's been a really growing lesson for me or a moment where I've learned so much about myself just by being so vulnerable because the world is overall not as scary and uh, not as terrifying as I had originally thought. It's, it embraces us when we're so vulnerable and that's something that I've really taken to heart. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, I, I, I ditto all that you say, but I will say that we also still have like very human, or at least I have tendencies that I think everybody else does. You know, like, I don't know, I often find myself missing like wide open vistas of like Argentina when I'm in Java. But when I'm in wide open mm. vistas, sometimes I'm like, oh man, it'd just be nice to like mm. go somewhere where they have things, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, I just uh, like right now, like a route teen sounds nice because it's just so you know like our little house with cats you know like that sounds nice because that's routine-ish but when we lived in uh florida between our little our bouts into the world it was man i can't wait until yeah i don't have you know a routine and so you know we're learning as we go but there's always still this little yin and yang this tug and pull of you know It's kind of like keeping you grounded and present in the moment because I'm oftentimes thinking of, I'll be on the motorcycle looking at beautiful scenery and I'm thinking about Australia or Thailand or something in the future. And I'm like, wow, won't that be so cool? But I'm in an amazing place in that moment and I'm not absorbing it because my head is somewhere else. And so I think that's a lesson in and of itself. That's part of the the human condition, isn't it? I, I mean, we often do this. We, in, instead of living in the moment, we're worrying about something that happened in the past or we're worrying about something that might be coming up in the future and, and yeah. sort of missing living in the moment. And matter of fact, I think the one of the best examples of that is just look at somebody standing or walking, looking at their phone. You know, yeah. you're not mm. in the moment at all. You're, you're completely <laughs> taken away and removed from the situation by by looking at something else. That's difficult to to do. And, and I, I think what you're describing there, Marissa, is, is almost feeling like, and Tim as well, you're, you're both describing something that it's almost like you're not giving the, the, the adequate homage to what you're experiencing. Right. That's, um, yeah. that's difficult. It's almost disturbing, isn't it? It is, but like we kind of, our life is kind of like on delay in some kind of weird way. Like we live in the present, right? And this isn't like, 
this is kind of weird as I'm saying it, but like then we relive our life as we're making like YouTube videos. And then mm-hmm. we get to kind of reflect on what we saw kind of like on a Truman show kind of, you know, viewpoint of it. Yeah. And then like I write books and then I, you know, like I take like the accumulation of like Marissa's blog posts plus the videos we've made plus like the blog posts that I've written. And then I reconstruct more or less like this, you know, it's a reconstruction of the events that happened. But what I always say, it's kind of like uh, when you're riding down a gravel road and it's really, really just tough and it's loose gravel and it's nasty and your front tire's trying to dig in through this loose stones. Uh, and like then behind you, you look behind you and it's like all graded and perfectly smooth. You know, like there's, mm. you know, th- that's my timeline. It's like mm. up up to the front, it's like, you know, just plowing and, you know, and it's not all miserable and that's not what I'm trying to say. But just overall, the past reflections always seem to have a little bit more saturation and, you know, yeah. the, the, the sharpness is drugged down all the way to the left. So you can't see all those, those minor yeah. imperfections, you know. Mm. That is so true. And I think it even goes beyond that because you're living it in the moment and you're living it as you're reliving your memories through different formats. You also live it when you dream it and you plan it to begin with. Yeah, that's true. And so when I'm sitting on the motorcycle and I'm thinking about Thailand or Australia, sometimes that's bad because I'm not present in the beauty of what I'm experiencing at that moment. But sometimes it's good because I have something to look forward to. Isn't that what life is all about? Is that anticipation for the future. I just love dreaming it up. I love trying to connect roads in my head like, oh, we can go there. We can go there. We can go there. And And that's super fun. And I don't want, it's not bragging, but I think we have a pretty cool life. But I think part of the the coolness of between you and I, you know, uh, talking to each other is that what we've done in the past and what we're doing and what we have planned in the future are all kind of exciting so it's kind of fun to like hop that timeline to be like, oh, wasn't that awesome? And isn't this awesome? Isn't, isn't what we're going to do going to be awesome? So yeah. sometimes, you know, living in the moment is, is, is wonderful. And yes, you absolutely should. But it's also nice to reflect on and to hope for and, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And taking like what that. from for what you both said there about um, thinking about things in the future and, and, and Marissa, the last part you're saying about, you know, being part of it. So when you're, when you're in the landscape and you're, and you're maybe drifting off thinking about something else, you've already experienced some of that before you went. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense in a way, doesn't it? Mm, you know, you, you yeah. dreamt about it while you were somewhere else, then you're there experiencing it. You're dreaming about the next place. I mean, you know, I can understand that. Mercy, you you said something about, you know, the world is, you know, it can, it can be seen as a scary place. And I think it's a very common thought process for, for most of us that the, yeah. the world can be a scary place. And you go somewhere new and I mean, let's face it, you go to a new town and, and it can seem scary to some degree. Yeah. Do you find that um, you're not scared now after all these years of travel that you're so used to it that you walk into all these new situations and nothing phases you or do you find that you still feel the fear, but you're able to understand that that fear sort of you leads to a, a bit of euphoria afterwards? I think it's more towards the second thing that you were saying, because obviously there's still fear and there's still danger. I mean, Indonesia and Malaysia are incredibly safe, welcoming places, but not every place has that feeling. And we have experienced some places where we just have this feeling like this isn't good. We need to get out of here, which we do. That's kind of like our 
unspoken rule. This happened like twice. Yeah. Yeah. Not too many, but Mm -hmm. overall I have that sense of calm because I know that we've been through so many experiences and everything always turns out okay in the end. And somehow this is all just going to fade into the past and it's going to be tomorrow. And all of these worries and stresses are going to just disappear or they're going to be resolved in some way. And even if they're not, life was just going to go on. And that is the sense of calm that I think I have gained from all of these years of traveling that even though I have no control, most people out there are good and somehow this is all going to be resolved. And I I can hold that inside of me and know that this is going to be okay. And yeah, the the fear is still there, but I know that... Say the awareness is still yeah, there. Yeah, you know? there you go. Yeah. I think that's more like Like it. I don't want to just walk around blissfully. Well, we... We have a lot more trust in the world than we did at first, but we also have the same amount of respect, you know, um, for ourselves as well as where we might be. It's like snakes, right? Like everybody hates snakes, right? But like (laughs) they're not as dangerous as you think they are, (laughs) you know, but it's like, don't piss off the snake and it'll probably leave you alone. You know, so there's the respect and there's still that internal you know, like, don't walk down dark alleys drunk talking about how you just went to the ATM. Then, you know, like. Right. There's, there's common sense. There's common sense. There's also luck. Like, bad things happen to good people. And we've been lucky enough to. Yes. You know, we've we, been very we try fortunate. not to put ourselves into those situations as well. But, uh, yeah, we are firm believers that start every country off with uh, on the plus side of yeah. you know, Open expectations. Mind, for sure. yeah. And it's not even just about uh, dangerous cities or crime or something like that, but even just the fear of, oh, we're going to get a flat tire. What are we going to do? Or yeah. um, the bike's going to break down. What are we going to do? Or this road is going to be super, super tough and I might fall or I might even get injured. Oh, I mean, these fall, fears yeah. go through my head all the time. But we've always seen our way to the other side. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, no one's like stolen our bike or anything to that huge. But like anytime we've gotten a flat, we've we've gotten out of it. Anytime, you know, like it, it, we've always found ourselves in some of the same struggles that most of the listeners have found themselves in, right? Yeah. Like crappy things happen to them. But mm-hmm. in the moment, it's it seems really stressful. And it kind of seems like, you know, what do I always say? Like, it feels like, all the gods and all the universes and all the religions are all picking on me, you know, to like make my life miserable in that one moment, you know, but we, we always through the, the brightness of Marissa's smile to, to help me get out of that original shock that, you know, I, I don't think all the gods care about me <laughs> and ruining my day. So that like when you kicked your shoe in the ditch. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is awful. And she was like, well... I'll go get it. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so I guess sort of in a way, a bit of a litmus test for it would have been when you're in the airport in Florida mm. and you get there and that woman tells you that you're not going because you don't yeah. have the right stuff. Did you handle it as you're describing it? Or was it a bit of a freak out thing saying, oh, great, there it goes. I remember exactly what happened to me. Mm-hmm. 
We're going to take a quick break. I have two things I want to tell you about. Stay with us. A lot more fun coming up. RoadDogPub.com. That's the publisher of motorcycle travel books. That's the place to go to find great stories, well-written from riders that have wonderful stories to tell. Some of which have been on the show. We've had them here and featured them, talked to them, told their stories um, on Adventure Rider Radio. RoadDogPub.com is a one-stop shop for great, well-written motorcycle stories. And they publish new books all the time. Recently, we got Rubber Side Down by Ron Davis, Motorcycles, Minotaurs, and Banjos by Stephen Sherrill, and we just received A Year in Motion by Mike Fitterling. So many titles, so many hours of great reading. You can find Road Dog Pub books in all fine bookstores, but why not go right to the publisher and buy direct? The website is RoadDogPub.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. RoadDogPub.com. IMS Products has a complete line of motorcycle footpegs designed specifically for adventure riding. Whether you ride long hours on the highway, stand for miles in the dirt, or, or ride through technical terrain pushing the limits of your adventure bike, IMS Products has a peg to suit your personal riding style because of the size and design of it. These pegs are designed by experts. IMS is owned and operated by riders just like us. And these pegs are all made from CAST-certified 17-4 stainless steel, all using a, heat, a certified heat-treating process, and all are built in the USA. And, as if you need more, all are warranted for life. IMSproducts.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. IMSproducts.com. I guess sort of in a way a bit of a litmus test for it would have been when you're in the airport in Florida mm. and you get there and that woman tells you that you're not going because you yeah. don't have the right stuff. Did you handle it as you're describing it or was it a bit of a freak out thing saying, oh, great, there it goes? I remember exactly what happened to me. I started sweating and I started the thoughts that went through my head were, uh-oh, this is the end. Like we can't get through this. I I remember thinking it, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm like, all right, I just got to get out my phone. I got to see what I can do. I mean, what else are you going to do in that moment? I, I'm glad I didn't just clam up and like yeah. go running for the hills, but you just like, have to do what you have to do. Yeah, I've seen too many stupid YouTube clips of like, people demanding how they're right. And uh, you know, I was like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I got upset because we did our homework and that we knew that this, that there was at least some mm. falsehoods to it, but we had to figure it out. And it was more complex than a flat tire. Cause I know how to fix a flat tire, mm -hmm. you know? And we've had situations like this many times, especially with border officials. I mean, if you're checking into an international airport, it's, pretty similar, but basically your life is now in that person's hands. Yeah. And if they don't want to let you through, yeah. you're not going to be able to, you know, argue your way through it. Probably. Um, you just have to yeah. be really, really nice but and wait it out. Marissa saw that. Marissa handled it. <laughs> <laughs> Marissa's like, I got this one, Tim. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go over here. <laughs> like the shoe. And we get... <laughs> like the shoe. Like the shoe. <laughs> 
That's right. Let me just remind all the listeners that I can ride a motorcycle. (laughs) So just in case they forgot. Right. No, yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you said that. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So... So when you're standing there in the airport in, in Florida, you still get the panic. You still get that feeling that all of us will get. But maybe there's yeah. something extra there that that tells you, okay, now you got to push. I think it's all of the experiences that we have under our belt yeah. of having situations like that where someone's like, nope, not going to let you through. And they just give you that look that's like, I'm in control and you can do nothing about it. Yeah. Um, but we've gotten through those situations too. Yeah, there hasn't been a situation where we were blocked from anything. So, I mean, when we started on August 21st, all the way back in 2017, mm-hmm. like I didn't, uh, I we moved back from Arkansas to Illinois and we were renting a house in Arkansas. But long story short, I wanted all my IDs and all that to be back in my name from my residence in Illinois. And I had to trade in all my Arkansas IDs and my driver's license and this, that, and other thing. And I applied for... The idea when we left Illinois, I didn't even have my driver's license because it was taking them. Yeah, there was a lot of bureaucracy. Marissa was a boy because there was some. Oh, they they put me as a male for years. (sighs) Oh, yeah, I know. So, so yeah, it was a bit of a disaster. Yeah, but we 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 at that point in time we were not well experienced at all, but. We've grown a lot since yeah. then. And uh, yeah, I hope that we're a little bit calmer when we face these situations. And all you can do is try your best, right? And mm-hmm. if you didn't try your best, then that's when you can be upset at yourself. But otherwise, yeah, there is nothing to be upset about because you did the best that you could. Yeah, it's quite an insight, though, to know that you're feeling the same feelings, but you're you just have some sort of little extra push now that thinks I've got to do something about this. And, and when you're doing it, like when you were standing in that, in that Florida airport, mm-hmm. Marissa, did you think that you said, I, I've just got to get on my phone. Did you think there's a chance or did you just think that I have to at least try? I thought I have to at least try. Mm-hmm. And I hit a lot of problems right away when I was trying to book flights out. Um, everything was saying non-refundable and it was extremely expensive. And I was like, well, this is bad. But then I found a tiny little ferry that went from an island that is just offshore of Singapore, but actually belongs to Indonesia. And that ferry was very reasonably priced and there was a refund and, you know, things can fall into place. And Mm -hmm. Thankfully, they did in that moment, but I, I had to just I keep trying. Able to have done that. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to find that small ferry from the one little island. Well, that, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, has that also increased for you or, or have you gotten better at it? Your ability to find things, to source things, because to know what to search for mm. and to try and get it through your head, all with the pressure I'm thinking as you're describing this, of you're trying to get on mm. a plane that's going to leave without you. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have improved in that for sure. I think that's been one of my skills. Yeah, maybe. Marissa's <laughs> problem solving has definitely is really sharp and on key. You well, know. thank you. Is it the type of thing that you could actually give tips for? Like, could you actually tell somebody this is the way that I do things now as opposed to what I used to do? Um, I always try to remind myself that freaking out is never 
the answer. Mm. <laughs> and I do freak out about things, but every time I do, it's always bad. I have a real fear of cockroaches, which is so silly because they can't even hurt you. I mean, it's, it's just the silliest thing ever, but I go into major freak out when there are cockroaches. And in Africa, the cockroaches were really big and they fly. And I mean, I'm like hysterical. And I look back at that person. I'm like, that's not even me. Why, why do I do this? How is that solving the situation of a cockroach being in the room? I mean, I've cried for Tim before, you know, I mean, you've saved the day when <laughs> there's a cockroach in the room. You like, can't say I've cried for Tim before. <laughs> when there's a cockroach, oh, I'm like, cried. I called out for yeah, Tim. Yeah, like, help me, help me. Like, yeah. I, I just go crazy. That's two abilities I have. Ride That's motorcycle, <laughs> kill cockroaches. cockroaches. The door bursts open as Tim storms in. <laughs> yeah. to the cockroaches I'm picturing. My fit lady, you have beckoned me. You're not. <laughs> I remember that bag of potato chips in Africa oh, and I put yeah. my hand in and there were cockroaches in the bag of potato chips as I brought the chips out to uh, eat. I mean, I just, yeah, I lose myself and I don't like the fact that I lose myself. So I've tried to not have those freak out moments. I don't think it could yeah. ever help the situation. But I do, I think it's hard to to teach that, right? You can have the theories yeah. and you can have the... Uh, <laughs> You know, like this is my life, you know, my life lessons that I've had and I can kind of try to relate them to you, but it's really hard to somebody to listen to something and then say, oh, wow, I should apply that in my life without it actually having happened to me. Not this whole roach thing, but the, you know, the struggles at borders, the struggles at airports, rah, rah, you know, I mean, I think with, with me, like I had a really, my fuse was like a couple nano atoms <laughs> long, right? And now, you know, it's like it, it, my knee jerk reaction isn't now just, you know, oh, well, this doesn't make sense and this isn't fair. And mm. you're not, you're not, you know, yeah. making sense here. Yeah. Um. So I try to delay that knee jerk reaction. I think that's really important when you're traveling around the world, as well as just in day to day scenario when you're dealing with other human beings, you know, like just give it more than that triggered, you know, like little flip of a switch. And now everything is, can either go this way or that way. And those are the only two ways. Either it's me or you're wrong. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that plus Marissa helping ease some of the situations and me reflecting and learning as well. And oh, yeah. me knowing that not every and bad thing that has happened to us is like this huge inconvenience problem. Yeah, it sucks and it is inconvenient, but it's just a small little stub of a, a toe right. in the grand perspective. And Marissa knows words. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of the things that has helped you is writing about our experiences because I find that you're a lot more reflective. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure me writing blogs as well, you know, it helps me. I think about what happened in that moment. Um, maybe it was something dramatic. And at the time I was feeling like it was the end of the world. But then as I write about that experience, I can really have a much better perspective of it. And that will hopefully help me in the future the next time something like that happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's a really good point that you you know that feeling is still there. That feeling of doom when someone you know blocks your path or or does something mm. unjust to you or something like that. But just having that moment afterwards to say, okay, hang on a second, what can I do with it? That's something that oh, we sure. can teach ourselves. That's something that you guys have learned or, or are learning on the road, and um, probably something that everyone, depending on your personality, maybe. But I think everyone could probably you know learn from that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, totally agree. And without being like super lame, but like, <laughs> well, whatever. You know, like, and we've actually said this to each other. And it's not just because we're on Adventure Rider Radio, but it's kind of like, I wanted like a little bracelet that was like WWSD. Like, what would Sam do? You know, like, Aww, he would, you know, yeah. he would, he would reflect the situation and he yeah. would absorb yeah. it. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. All day. You yeah, know? But some of that is personality, though, isn't it? Because, you know, if you are the type of, because I, I know I've, I've come across people in life before that are, that nothing phases them. They just yeah. don't seem to have that mm. knee jerk. But, um, it, your personality really yeah. comes into this. So some people are, are kind of, you could say, you know, they're, they're lucky right out of the, out of the start, right out of the gate, right out of the, out of the womb, because <laughs> they have that personality, which I just love, you know, like that, those people that are just a little bit more laid back and, and less yeah. reactive. That's true. And we were just talking about this the other night though. If something is truly like ingrained in your genetics enough so that you wouldn't be able to change it on your own. And especially right. as we get older, it seems harder and harder to change our basic core personality. And I thought back to my 20s and, you know, backpacking around. And there was this theory that you could travel and find yourself. And I think there's a beauty to that idea, but I'm not sure there is a real finding myself. I think myself is always changing and I can also change myself. And we're obviously all born differently. And you're right. Like some people, they've got the knee jerk reaction and that's a really hard thing to break. And some people are just so chill, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, nothing phases them. But I don't think that it's necessarily so ingrained in somebody that they're not able to at least have some sort of coping mechanisms yeah. for these reactions. I think we can change. So finding yourself, I mean, you're not really mm. finding yourself. You're um, growing. Yes, absolutely. I mean, mm -hmm. you can find out what you like, what you dislike. I think, you know, throughout someone's teenage years and early 20s, you don't, you're not quite sure yet what type of person you're going to become. And you really do need to find out what you like and dislike. But besides that, I'm not sure that it's like, well, this is just a very, very calm person forever onwards. And they're never going to become an angry person. Or this is just a very angry person. They're never going to become a calm person. I don't think those things are permanent. Do you think if you, if you stayed in one place that you would there are ways to like, for instance, for someone else who isn't traveling the world, has no intention to travel the world. Do you think there's ways to grow in the way that you guys are growing while you're traveling? Because you mentioned, Mercy, you said something earlier that caught me about, you said you get, if you're driving or if you're in your, your local area, you get very used to it and very comfortable because you described, I think you mentioned something about knowing, you know, where food is and fuel and lodgings, things like that. Yeah. Is that part, is that, is that a problem for us? I mean, is there some way that we can, if we were staying in one spot that we can find that growth that you're ex experiencing on the road? 
Well, I kind of, I had a conversation with my brother and Matt, uh, love him to death. And we, we talk about, uh, you know, brotherly stuff a lot. And, uh, you know, what he said to me, which he lives in Florida and he's got his job and, you know, but like the whole headspace issue of like, you go to a gas station, somebody upsets you and then you think of what an idiot he is and someone cuts you off and then they're tagged an idiot too. But like, you know, you get home and you're like mad at these people that you've never met. You're never going to meet again. They don't care about you. And why are you wasting energy? You know, it's like you can't control everybody driving around you. You can only control yourself, you know, and like there's a lot of like in stationary practice that you can have that you can learn from. And, you know, I, I did that in, in Florida. And again, I'm not just going around just being upset and annoyed by everybody. But, you know, like it, it does, people do stupid things and you can handle it two ways. You can say you're an idiot or you can be like, well, that was, you know. Yeah. And yeah, move, on, that with was your a move thing. on with your day. You know, yeah, exactly. like instead of there being a, a complete idiot, I know it's funny how we do, we do that. We judge one action yeah. from a person yep. and, and, and you know, like, you know, Elizabeth has said it to me before, they just made a mistake and I'm thinking, yeah. no, exactly. they're an idiot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? But it's, yeah. but it's not and true. See, you don't have to be traveling in order to get that lesson. Um, I think traveling makes it easier but you can absolutely be staying in one place and no. learn all of the same things about how, yeah, we get lulled into that sense of control over our lives, or at least I certainly did. You know, I was a teacher for many years and, you know, I'd have my set schedule and if something went wrong, I'd be like, ah, oh, it's out of my control. And I would get really upset, but of course it's out of my control. Everything is really out of my control. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, you can absolutely learn that just by staying stationary, I think. Yeah. But you have to be present. You have to recognize yeah. it. You have to see yes. it and, and be open to recognizing it. Yes. Yeah. And I think we have, I think we have more opportunities to bump and reflect on, you know, as mm -hmm. we, you know, cause there's, there's just more oddities, I think yeah. more new scenarios. Yeah. And you know? it's also really interesting to see kind of like the chaos of the traffic here, for example, and Indonesian people and Malaysian people are the nicest people. Oh my goodness. They are so nice and so calm. And everyone seems to just be getting along. It's really we unbelievable. Zero people arguing. Yeah. Like there's no couples that argue, you know, and like you walk down the streets no, of like, Chicago or whatever, like it's not rage. just everybody, you know, but like there was no aggression and like all None. of Indonesia. And it was just like really a weird feeling almost just to be like in this happy Care Bearville, you know? It Yes, it is like Care Bearville. I mean, everyone has just got a big smile and and there's a lot of things that annoy us as outsiders that I'm like, oh, you know, this is a problem and this is a problem. And these thoughts go through my head, but well, they nobody their... is <laughs> thinking the same things. They're no. just totally fine with. Well, and everybody has that. their problems. Everybody's got home problems, you know, pro you know, like work. Yeah. They're not in the finances, whatever. Everybody has their own things, but there's just. They're just genuinely happier. And I don't know what genetic code that's from or what, you know, how they well, were. Yeah, I don't know what their secret is. Yeah, I mean, it could exactly. be cultural. Yeah. You, if you're, I mean, let's face it, we do learn things. You, if you're brought up in one household as opposed to another, you, you will look at things differently, obviously. You know, and you may yeah. even react differently to the things that go wrong. When, when someone does something, you may see it as more of a, a personal attack rather than, again, you know, just being something that they did wrong, stupid or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. 
but that's something I definitely want to absorb more mm-hmm. of is the, the Indonesian happiness. Yes. It's just, it's, 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 it's the calm contagious and, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Indonesia is, as we said, very crowded. It can also be quite noisy because you have these motorcycles um, going at all hours of the day and night. People stay up very late at night sometimes because of the heat during the day. And so it can be a lot going on that feels very chaotic and there's all these new smells and sights and the heat. It's a situation that I think could make people upset and angry, but people are not upset and angry in Indonesia. And yeah, there's definitely a lesson to be learned there. Like, wow, they are very satisfied, it seems. And I need to embrace that more as than well. Satisfied. They're, yeah. they're, they're very happy. They're not they're not yeah. content. They're not satisfied. They make an effort to be happy and productive and loving. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a really cool feeling to be a part of. Mm, when you were saying that things, some things aggravated you when you got there, I thought you were going to say that maybe you're getting aggravated because everybody's smiling and happy all the time. And you're thinking, what are you so happy about? <laughs> no, no. What is so happy? <laughs> What's so happy? <laughs> <laughs> Tim Mercer, it was great to sit down and talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. And and I, I hope you uh, have an uh, amazing rest of your trip. And I'm sure we're going to talk again. It's been amazing. We love talking to you. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. That was Tim and Marissa Notier bivouacked in a city of, well, cats, I guess. They are, I mean, Tim and Marissa, not the cats, two up and overloaded. And their website is two up and overloaded.com. We've got some great photos of Tim and Marissa in the show notes for this episode on our website, adventureriderradio.com. Hey, I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer Elizabeth Martin and of course to you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you're sharing it with your friends. As a matter of fact, if you haven't done it already, go to where you're you're finding your podcast, particularly iTunes, I guess, because probably big or or maybe Spotify. I'm not sure they do a rating system. But anyway, we're looking for a five-star review. And, And the reason I'm asking you to do that is because it helps other people find the show. So if you can do that, we'd really appreciate it. Review wherever you can. 
Anyway, uh, don't forget, we have another show, show out called Adventure Rider Radio Raw. It comes out once a month. It comes out on the 21st of every month. So we've we've got one that's just out now. As a matter of fact, that's really interesting because it's the, it's the seven top roads in the United States for adventure riding. And uh, so you should definitely look at that. That's all on the website, adventureriderradio.com. And of course, you'll find it anywhere you find podcasts. But if you want the real story, the backstory and everything and see the people that are on it, drop by the website, have a look around. Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Wait, 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 wait. Don't touch that dial. One other thing I want to ask about. The show is built on a model of advertising and listener support. Anything $10 for support gets you an Adventure Rider Radio sticker. Anything $50 or more gets you a shout out on our Raw show. If you're not familiar with it, go listen to the Raw show and you'll, you'll hear that. But what we would really, really like is if you consider becoming a patron supporter. Any amount it helps. And that way you're there every month for us and help become part of the show. Become a part of the show by backing it. I mean, there is a very tiny, and I mean tiny percentage of people who listen every week who actually support the show. Be one of those that support. Anyway, all that's at AdventureRiderRadio.com. Click on support. Thanks so much. This is Chris Liet from Liet Corporation, the innovator of the neck brace. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 